Welcome to Beyond the Lab, a podcast where we talk about people, ideas, and insights in the science industry. Our guest today is Professor Sudesh Kumar, the lead scientist of the Ecobiomaterial Lab at USM and an expert in microbiology, polymer chemistry, and microbial polymers, or as we know it, as bioplastic. So, sir, thank you so much for joining us and being part of this episode. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you. You are like a celebrity scientist. Really? Yeah. They're like, I didn't know that. There's like tons of videos and interviews you've done, which are absolutely fantastic. But mm, let's okay. kind of jump into about you, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you choose to venture into bioplastic research? Well, uh, that was like almost 30 years ago. It was in 1991 after I finished my uh, basic degree. And at that time, I was like not so sure what I should be doing for my future studies. And at that time, of course, I didn't have any intention to be a researcher. So it was just like finding some interesting uh, research projects. And that was when, uh, as part of my master's in biotechnology course in University of Malaya, I came across this um, professor who was working on polyhydroxyalkanoids. So this is the bioplastic that I will be talking to you about. So at that time, uh, the reason why I chose this bioplastic was simply because it was something interesting because uh, it's synthesized or it is produced by bacteria. So you'll be surprised why why are bacteria producing plastic-like materials? So that was how I got into this uh, topic of uh, bioplastics. Well, that's kind of interesting. So you actually started with your PhD and then... Masters. Masters. Yes. Okay, that's cool. Right. Yeah, that was so... 30 years ago, before you were born, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm only 25, so yes, before I was born. Yes. But it's really cool though to actually see that from your master's yeah. and then carrying on to PhD and actually now 30 years after you yeah. you are in the same field of research. Mm-hmm. Is that common among like scientists? or? Mm, I don't think so. I think it is not common um, because uh, it is not easy to, to stick to one uh, research scope for such a long time because it is not easy to get fundings to continue doing research uh, in the same area, but uh, having said that, from my experience in Japan, I've seen uh, many professors in Japan. They are exceptionally good in their research area because they have been doing their work uh, for many many years. Uh, you know, like thirty, forty years. So that is why they are they are really an expert in that area. And I think in order to become an expert, you really need to spend many years on one uh, topic yeah so you mentioned that you were in japan like you yeah you are a former max scholar right you studied in saitama university yes all right okay so we recently did an episode Mm -hmm. with a former tokyo tech student Mm -hmm. who's now in barcelona and he did share um quite a few insights on being in japan so just quickly Mm -hmm diverting from mm-hmm. the main topic how would you sum up your experience in japan wow <laughs> that's a 
that's an unexpected question uh, and it is difficult to to answer because uh, what what i can say as a whole is it was a very uh, mind changing and also a, a very fruitful experience for me uh, i i personally uh, ex- uh, have uh, benefited a lot from my six years uh, of um, being a researcher uh, in in japan so to sum up i think i would say uh, for me it was uh, a very good opportunity and it is one of the reason why i have been able to continue research in this area for 30 years that's wonderful hopefully more people will be interested to actually come to japan mm-hmm. and do their postgraduate studies Yeah uh, but having said that I, I wouldn't say Japan is an easy place for everyone uh, of course you have difficulties in language in in the lifestyles and also the the, the culture but i'm sure there would be uh, people or foreigners like me who would find um, Japan uh, interesting and will definitely be able to to benefit a lot from getting to know japan uh, in more depth excellent thank you so much for that insight so going back to the main topic which is bioplastics so actually what is bioplastic i know you mentioned that uh, bacteria produce this pha which is what we know as bioplastic but what is bioplastic in general and i think what is the biggest misconception about it well uh, basically plastics i think everybody knows i think um, it's very easy and i think it's such a common thing that we see around us so i think everyone knows uh, when you say plastics i think nobody gets confused about plastics but the moment you add bio uh, bio indicates something that comes from living organisms so that is what bio stands for so when you put this bio and plastic together then the immediate uh, impression that people get is that it is uh, something that is organic something that can can degrade or that can decompose it's just like any other biological living organisms uh, but this is where the biggest misconception is is it although when we say bioplastic people normally think it is biodegradable but not all bioplastics are biodegradable so maybe later i can explain in more detail but i think one of the biggest misconception is that when people hear the term bioplastic they think that it is biodegradable and that it is eco friendly so that is the biggest misconception you know what is the what in your opinion what is the best way to educate the public about bioplastic hmm we are all trying to <laughs> trying various approaches and doing all that we can to try and educate not really educate but try to make it clear what exactly bioplastic is and it is not easy you know because uh, it is a technical term you know even plastics yeah. the moment when we say plastics uh, everyone knows what is plastic but nobody not many people know that all these plastics are different yeah okay like for example if you have a mineral water bottle So I think not many will know that there are actually three different types of plastics in one mineral water bottle. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know and and all these plastics are chemically different 
their properties are different. They are all entirely different, but they look the same. Even normal plastics are so difficult to be understood. Uh, and that is one of the reasons why recycling is a, is a big challenge. Because yeah. uh, recycling doesn't mean you can just compile all kinds of plastics or collect everything and just dump it together. No, you can't just recycle like that. When you want to do plastic recycling, you actually have to separate all these different kinds of plastics. For example, I think you are in Japan now, so you probably have seen uh, in the outside your laboratory, there are different containers where people normally will open the cap of the mineral water or your your drinks. Yeah, we do segregate, yeah. Then you separate it and then you take out the label, you put it in another place. Yes. So it is that difficult. So even a simple plastic that we see around us is very confusing and difficult to understand. So bioplastic is even more difficult to understand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, talking about education, so I I listened to a lot of your interviews when preparing mm-hmm. for this interview with you. It's difficult for me to consolidate like everything, but to just get the gist of it, uh, there were many mm-hmm. important issues that you brought up as mm-hmm. a whole. Like, for example, um, how, yes, even though we pity the the turtles thinking plastic bags are jellyfish and straws getting up their nostrils it's actually a lot more than that and that in general like we may not have plastic in the future you know like i think these are things that people don't know about plastic could you kindly elaborate a little bit more on those where shall i start (laughs) so yeah i know i think all these things that i mean videos or documentaries that we see uh, are designed or made to to be viewed by people, you know, so it is sensationalized, okay, it is something that stirs our emotion, you know, something that makes us want to react, one, one makes us want to uh, do something about it. But I think it is important to remember that all these are sensationalized things, you see. It, it is trying to highlight a problem. Yes, I, I do agree, there is a problem, but I think it is before we we overreact okay like for example uh, after seeing this uh, straw that got stuck in the nose trail of a, of a turtle and everybody says yes we should stop using straws you know i think this is this is an over overreaction <laughs> you know so it is just like it is like saying like when there is an accident a car accident and, and people get uh, emotional and say we should all stop using cars I think it's it's ridiculous, mm. isn't it? I think there is a lot of uh, benefits and a lot of uh, good things about plastic. So I hope those who are listening to this interview or this uh, discussion will not take back uh, a wrong message thinking that plastics are bad. Actually, plastics are wonderful materials. You know, I think uh, after working on bioplastics for 30 years, I'm beginning to see more and more about the the good properties of of plastics and plastics were invented by very prominent researchers and scientists also you know so mm-hmm. it is not just something that was invented by uh, anyone but it is done through a lot of research and through a lot of fundamental science uh, chemistry it is it is not something that is something that we can say it is not good it is good it has been made into 
various products that helps us uh, to live a comfortable life. So, for example, if you take uh, food containers uh, or even your, like your beverages and things that you buy in a convenience store and all, everything comes in plastic. So why, you know, I think before we overreact and start saying that plastics are bad and all, we should pause a while and, and look around us and see why why are plastics used so widely everywhere. So once you really understand why plastics are necessary, then I think you would be more uh, rational in, in taking decisions and you would also be able to appreciate why is it difficult to to substitute petrochemical plastics. You know, why is it difficult to find a replacement for petrochemical plastics? So I think this is part of the education. I think this is something that uh, everyone should try to understand before criminalizing plastics. <laughs> okay? Yeah. 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 I, I hope I answered the question. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I think <clears throat> the main problem is actually us. We just exploited it. Just just like how we've done with almost everything. And then after that, we say, oh, it's not good, right? Mm. We've explained a lot of things. In fact, like you mentioned that uh, you brought something that's very important in one of your interviews, I think with Astrawani, that uh, actually these plastics are made out of petroleum, which we now know that it's it's not as evergreen as we thought it was a long, long, long time ago. It's going to deplete mm. anytime soon and we may not get plastic anymore which i think is also very important to find why we should look at bio alternatives for plastic i think you see the the fact that petroleum is is used for for making plastics is is something that you know we should also try to understand further Uh, petroleum is not being drilled you know from you know deep seas or from all these places just for making plastics. Actually, petroleum uh, are drilled for uh, as a fuel, and yeah. and and then uh, and and of course, uh, petroleum most of the usage is as a as a fuel. Is it? But uh, in the process, uh, a lot of uh, byproducts are also obtained uh, from petroleum, and and plastics are basically a, a byproduct, you know, which is synthesized from petroleum. Yeah. Uh, Petroleum is not being drilled to make plastics. Putting it in another way, there are also uh, people who say that using petroleum-based products or uh, petroleum-based fuel or technologies and all may not be sustainable because, like what you said, petroleum is not something that uh, will be there forever. It takes millions of years to to recycle and to get back the petroleum, you see. So we will deplete the petroleum before we can have fresh supply of petroleum. So then what do we do, is it? So yeah. where do we go for uh, our raw materials? So that is one of the reasons why currently there are a lot of emphasis on using renewable materials, uh, like plant-based materials, uh, biomass, uh, living organisms. So these are all renewable materials. So that is one of the reasons. The other reason is when you use a petroleum-based product, you are actually releasing carbon that has been fixed over millions of years back into the atmosphere. So this is causing greenhouse uh, gas emissions, global climate change. So this is another reason why 
there is a trend now to minimize this carbon emission into the atmosphere. So there are there are many uh, reasons which are also related to to plastics. All right. Okay. Going back to bioplastic research, how mm. interdisciplinary is bioplastic research, and STEM related disciplines can venture into it? Oh, uh, bioplastic. This is really very very interdisciplinary because uh, the plastics themselves are basically polymers. So mm. polymers are basically uh, huge or very long molecules which has uh, repeating units. It's just like your chain or your bracelet that you know that you are wearing. So if you if you observe carefully, you will see that the chain or bracelet uh, is consisted of uh, little rings or little repeating units. So polymers are, are like that. Okay, so they are huge molecules which are made from repeating units called monomers. This is basically uh, under the scope of polymer chemistry and it comes under a bigger category called organic chemistry. And bioplastics, uh, it, it complicates it because you are using biological processes or you are using uh, monomers, or the, the starting material, from living organisms. So this is where bioplastics becomes very interdisciplinary. For example, the kind of plastic that I'm working on, the bioplastic that I'm researching, is made by bacteria. So these are bacteria, are basically little uh, tiny microorganisms. And basically these are microorganisms that you also use for like in the breweries to make uh, beer, uh, to make cheese, to make, um, you know, uh, ethanol, for example. So there are a lot of usage for, for bacteria. And if you are going to use uh, bacteria to make a product, then you need to know microbiology. Okay, so this comes, uh, this brings us to another completely different field, uh, which is uh, microbiology. And then the, the processing comes under engineering. How yes. do you process this polymer? Because you, you start using various uh, instruments like uh, extruders, uh, twin screw extruders, you know, these are all engineering things, you know, where you have to heat up the polymer, you have to melt it. And then you got to form it into various products. So all this comes under engineering. So it's you can see it, it involves yeah. various uh, disciplines. And I think it covers almost all <laughs> science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting. Girl. So let's uh, dive a little bit more deeper into what is being produced in your lab, the Eco Biomaterial Lab. Mm-hmm. So you and your team actually developed, right, like a PHA base straw, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So how did your how did you and your team actually develop this completely degradable bioplastic? Because I actually watched the there was a video on it that yeah. had a time lapse of the microscopy, right? That had mm-hmm. a short within weeks. Yeah, the bioplastic was degraded. So how yes. how did the idea come about? Okay, so first I think I should explain to you what, what is the kind of bioplastic that I'm working on. Uh, this is PHA, uh, polyhydroxyalkanoids. So this is completely uh, synthesized or produced by uh, bacteria. And, and bacteria makes this material 
as a as a food storage compound. Of course, bacteria is not making plastic for humans. Right. Uh, it, is making, <laughs> yeah. it is actually making uh, a kind of a food which it, it keeps in its uh, in its body. It so happened that this material that uh, bacteria makes uh, has plastic-like properties. Ah, so okay. that is how researchers, uh, it was first found in the 1920s by a French scientist that microorganisms, uh, many kinds of microorganisms can make this kind of uh, plastic-like material. Uh, so maybe I should, I should explain a little bit uh, further about this uh, so that you understand why it is degradable. So uh, it is just like plants. Plants, when they carry out photosynthesis, uh, they fix the carbon dioxide from uh, atmosphere and they make glucose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and glucose, of course, it is a, a very nice compound that can be uh, metabolized and used to produce energy. But you cannot store glucose in its you know, original form. So in order to store glucose, what plants do is they polymerize glucose and that's how you get starch <clears throat> so mm-hmm. starch uh, is uh, water insoluble and therefore it does not create uh, osmotic imbalance uh, so it can be stored as a as a storage compound in the in plants so likewise bacteria has also evolved to accumulate excessive amount of food uh, and polymerize them into this uh, polymeric compound and keep them in their cell cytoplasm, in their body. So this is how uh, this PHA is made. And as with any kinds of storage compound, microorganisms and and living organisms, they have enzymes to make, and also they have enzymes to break these compounds. Because these are food storage, okay? They are are made into polymers, uh, and then when they want to use it, they break it down into the monomers, and consume these uh, storage compounds. And and by the way, humans we also store excessive amount of food uh, yeah. in in the form of fat. <laughs> oh my God. You know? yeah. So so this is common thing to all living organisms. Uh, unlike now, where when you are hungry, you can just walk outside and go to a convenience store and get yourself some Kit Kat or you know something to eat, but Okay, you have to imagine in a natural uh, habitat, food is not something that you get all the time. So when you have excess amount of food, you quickly try to polymerize and keep them in your in your body. Okay, so this is how microbes make uh, this uh, PHA. And later in the in the about hundred years ago, I think nineteen twenties and all. So researchers found that this storage compound that bacteria makes has plastic-like property. So plastic-like property means it can be melted, you can, you can, you know, basically like uh, form it into various products. Uh, so this, it is, it is very intriguing. That is one of the reasons why I ventured into this uh, research area. Because I found it very interesting that microbes can make this plastic-like compound. And, you know, and, and now this is something that is being... Uh, studied uh, you know very intensely by many researchers all over the world uh, because this is the only 100% biodegradable plastic so i think it is it is important to 
to know that not all kinds of bioplastics are 100% biodegradable. So this one, uh, this PHA is 100% biodegradable because it is a food storage compound. Right. So because microbes make them as a food storage compound and they also have enzymes to degrade and use them as a food source. So that is why it is biodegradable. Right. So I think uh, PHA in general, like comparing with other bioplastics, mm -hmm. the superior the superior part of PHA is that it can. It's actually because it's a food source, so yeah. there is enzymes to break yes. it down, yes. making it hundred yes. percent biodegradable. So, so what are the other kinds of bioplastic that are available? Ah, okay. That is a very important question. You see, when you say bioplastic, there are Basically, technically, anything that comes from living organism or anything that uses any biological processes can technically be called bio. So if you have a, a plastic, uh, say for example, petrochemical plastic, which has certain percentages of uh, starch, uh, which is a biological right. compound. So technically, you can call that a bioplastic although it's a composite. So this is where the confusion uh, begins. See, so uh, another good example is uh, uh, biopolyethylene. I, I don't know if you have heard of this material called biopolyethylene. So there, polyethylene is a, is a kind of plastic that is widely used. Uh, for example, your, your mineral water bottle and all these, are, you know, they, they contain polyethylene. Uh, it's, it's a very common commodity plastic uh, and it is made from petroleum and now there are biopolyethylene so what what comes to your mind when you hear biopolyethylene i guess now that i know about bacteria probably <laughs> something that bacteria would have been used to generate mm -hmm. yeah so uh like I said just now, uh, the, the, the polyethylene that is currently used uh, comes from petroleum. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and this is not degradable, not biodegradable. We know that. Yeah. So, the biopolyethylene, instead of petroleum, it comes from uh -huh. sugarcane. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you can make the monomer which is uh, ethylene uh, from ethanol. Mm -hmm. And ethanol you can get from sugars. Ah, right. So you just yeah, okay, okay. have to do uh, fermentation using yeast uh, and using sugar. And the sugar can come not only from sugar cane, it can come from any other uh, sugar uh, substrates. And once you carry out fermentation, you can get ethanol. And then the ethanol can be converted chemically into ethylene. And then it can be polymerized into polyethylene. Right. But now, technically, you can call that poly that polyethylene as a biopolyethylene. Okay, so I think this is also pretty similar to uh, I think there was a time in back home in Malaysia there were people or there were like big supermarkets mm -hmm. like Kafo yeah. and all that using corn based. Yes. Plastic or okay. potato-based yeah. plastic. So that, that's another type of uh, bioplastic. So this is where it is getting confusing. I can see you are getting confused also. Yeah. So, so polyethylene is something that everyone knows. 
But then when you say bio, so people don't really know why, but they think that this biopolyethylene is a bioplastic uh, and then it is biodegradable. But it is not because now you know that the, the building block is the same, just that it was uh, derived from renewable resource, which is sugar. That's the only difference. And technically, it is not wrong to say it is a biopolyethylene. Okay. And, and the one that you said just now about the corn-based uh, plastic, this is another type of uh, bioplastic, uh, which is uh, PLA, polylactic acid. So polylactic acid is basically, uh, you know, it, it, it is derived from starch and other kinds of um, organic compounds that can be fermented by bacteria. So in this case, lactic acid bacteria is used. So lactic acid bacteria is the kind that you have in your yogurt, uh, you know, and all these, uh, you know, um, health drinks and all. So once you ferment starch and all with uh, uh, this kind of uh, lactic acid bacteria, you can get uh, lactic acid. So lactic acid uh, is uh, something that comes from living organisms. And then this lactic acid is polymerized into polylactic acid. So if you can try to imagine, you know, connecting all these small units of lactic acid into a long chain of polylactic acid. So this now is a bioplastic, it's a biopolymer, but it is partly biological and then it is chemically polymerized into polylactic acid. So in the case of PHA just now, if you want to compare PHA, the monomers are derived or produced by the bacteria and the bacteria also polymerizes it. Whereas in the case of PLA, the lactic acid is obtained from bacterial fermentation and then the polymerization is done chemically. So the difference is PHA is a naturally occurring polymer, whereas PLA is not a naturally occurring polymer. So I, I hope you can you can see the difference. Yeah, I thank you so much for actually sharing on mm -hmm. that, uh, Prof. Sudesh. Uh, definitely, I think I think the it's the polymerization part, right? One is a PHA actually polymerizes it, the the bacteria itself polymerizes it, so they're so that's why they have the enzymes to break it down. Whereas mm. the PLA, which is chemically done in the lab, there's no natural yeah. enzyme whatsoever to kind of break it down. Right, okay. Yeah. Mm. So coming back to the plastic that you and your team have produced, uh, what were the challenges that you and your team have encountered when you were developing it? And I think now you're going to commercialize it. What are the current challenges that you are facing at the moment? Yeah, one, one of the biggest challenges is um, to convince people that there are such 100% biodegradable plastic. Because of this uh, boom or this uh, sudden demand for bioplastics, there are a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say fake bioplastics, <laughs> but yeah, okay. these, uh, like I said, technically it is not wrong to call them yeah bioplastic for example like biopolyethylene or polylactic acid these are all technically they are bioplastics but mm -hmm. then they do not necessarily they will biodegrade so right. th that is where 
uh, a lot of consumers they they feel like they are cheated you know they they, they thought that these were bioplastics and they should biodegrade but then later they find that it is not biodegradable so now that is one of the reason why i made that video of the straw made using uh, pha and and basically this is just to to highlight and to promote and also basically to educate people that pha is truly 100% biodegradable so uh, there are many challenges one is the cost of pha mm-hmm. so pha as i mentioned it is produced by bacteria uh, the whole entire process is a fermentation process where we need to feed the bacteria with carbon sources so in, in malaysia Uh, we have uh, plenty of uh, renewable uh, resources from the agricultural industries so like uh, the palm oil industry uh, you know and and various other uh, agricultural products that can be used as a carbon source to feed the bacteria so but this itself is costly it is not cheap okay you have to you have to feed the bacteria you have to can if you can imagine like the breweries Yeah. Probably you have seen a uh, huge tanks you know which uh, has like about hundreds and thousands of liters of uh, liquid uh, medium inside and fermentation is going on. So all these are very costly. And and then you have to recover or purify this plastic from the bacterial cell. Yeah. So remember okay. that this this plastic uh, this PHA is synthesized and accumulated by bacteria and they keep them as a food storage compound yeah. in their cells so which means you have to break the cells and then uh, extract the polymer and you got to purify the polymer so again you have another uh, cost uh, with the downstream uh, processes right so all this makes pha very costly so you have an excellent material that is uh, plastic and it can be biodegradable but if the cost is too high nobody is going to use it so these are these are challenges that we face and of course there are more challenges like uh, since i'm working in a in a university and you know things are never uh, always consistent for example i may have one group of student now who are interested and they want to do research on bioplastics and then after a few years i may not find students who are interested anymore so this kind of continuity something that is difficult uh, and then grants and and fundings for research again this is another big issue to have continuous fundings to 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 make all this kind of uh, improvements to the processes uh, to make the process more efficient to to increase the yield uh to to discover new kinds of microbes or processes that can uh make the process cheaper and easier so all this requires a lot of time money and also manpower so these are all challenges it's not easy to to overcome all these challenges and that is one of the reason why it has been 30 years and i'm still working on this <laughs> uh topic Yeah, I think you've also mentioned like to our listeners. Actually, Prof Sudesh also works, actually, is involved in research uh, with regards to palm oil. I think mm-hmm. one of your publications or one of your research focus is actually using the palm oil waste, right? Yes. The husk. Yeah. To yes, the waste 
waste from the palm oil industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, palm oil is one of the major agricultural industry in, in Malaysia. And the process of uh, obtaining the palm oil from uh, the fruit, uh, you know, fresh fruit bunch and all that. So it it, 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 it involves uh, pressing the fruit, extracting the oil. And also in the process, there is a lot of wastewater and a lot of oil and, and fatty acids that are uh, basically, you know, uh, comes out from these uh, meals. And these are valuable uh, resources that can be used as a feedstock for fermentation, for bacteria. Right. This is what currently I'm focusing on and I'm trying to develop uh, efficient processes. And I'm also trying to engineer uh, bacterial cells to, to use these kinds of uh, uh, lipid-based uh, substrates to make uh, bioplastics. Right. And... Um... So in your research, as you mentioned, you use microbes to produce PHA, like this plastic material. Uh, But there's also researchers actually working on uh, breaking down these petroleum-based plastic. You know, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think think both approaches are necessary because PHA and and any other kinds of bioplastics will not be able to completely substitute all petrochemical plastics. It is important to keep in mind that plastics are very useful materials. Okay, they are they are designed and they are made to be durable and last for a very long time. Uh, for example, uh, maybe the chair that you are sitting on, or the you know your your car components or your bicycle components. <clears throat> there are a lot of components that are made using various kinds of plastics, and I'm sure you don't want these plastics to biodegrade. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that you mentioned that our cars are also plastic is like it just hit me at a moment. Like, yeah, actually, that we're driving in, you know, what's yeah. made of plastic? Like, what looks so solid is actually plastic, yes, right? It is actually plastic, and and this is where I think um, uh, the audience and you know anyone who's listening should should pay attention. Why is it that plastics are being used? So then, if you if you ask this question, then you will you will come across a lot of benefits of using plastics because plastics are durable, they are light, uh, they don't consume a lot of energy. For example, if you have a car that is so heavy, in order to move the car, you will be using more (laughs) energy and you will contribute to greenhouse gas emission more than, you know, when you use plastics. So if you do this kind of analysis, you will find that plastics are actually very... Um, you know, uh, they are really excellent materials, you know. And, and they are, you know, another important thing is it's cheap. It's very, very cheap yeah. to use plastics. So that is something that we have to keep in mind so that we, we appreciate this material, you know, these this petrochemical plastics. And we should actually be more smart in using this kind of material. So the problem is when you dispose, when you discard this kind of material, that's where the problem comes, you see, because they are designed to be durable and therefore it is difficult to, to degrade them. So this brings us back to that your question about degrading uh, petroleum-based plastics. Yeah. So And this is important because there are already millions of tons of plastics that has been produced yeah. and used and all these are somewhere around on Earth. You may not see it, but it is somewhere. It is either in landfills or it is in the ocean 
you know it, it is definitely it is somewhere mm-hmm. so it is necessary to to develop processes and also to to come up with new ways how to manage this waste plastics so that's where i think like what you said just now it is important to to look into nature again so nature is something that has a lot of answers for our problems for example uh, recently there was a scientist in in japan mm-hmm. who discovered a microorganism that actually can degrade uh, petrochemical plastic and there's a lot of interest now in looking for more microorganisms that can degrade petroleum based plastics and this is necessary i think we need we need all kinds of uh, strategies and approaches to manage plastic waste okay thank you so much for sharing about the japanese scientist can you know uh, by any chance do you know what his name is oh is uh, is a group of uh, researchers i think the lead researcher's name is uh, oda o d a i forgot his his full name is uh, oda and uh, he uh, the the strain uh, the bacterial strain that was uh, identified is uh, Edionella sakaiensis. So it's a very difficult name to to remember. Uh, yeah. yeah. Edionella sakaiensis. Uh, so this is an interesting uh, microorganism. It's a bacteria. Uh, they actually found this uh, bacterium from uh, a plastic waste. I think a, a landfill. Mm-hmm. so they they isolated many kinds of microorganisms and they found this one to have the ability to to degrade petroleum based plastics oh, okay that's interesting like from a landfill that's pretty cool yeah so i think this is the beauty of uh, living organisms because living organisms they constantly they are evolving they are they are very flexible and they they try to use whatever Uh, that is around them as a as a feedstock as a as a source of energy uh, for them to grow and this has been happening through millions or even billions of years since uh, earth was formed you see so we should not underestimate the the power of living organisms you know which which are constantly evolving and trying to come up with new biochemical processes so this is a a, a nice example how and an enzyme uh, has evolved to make use of uh, petroleum based plastics so um mm. you've mentioned that you well definitely you're working on pha plastic bioplastic mm. and you also mentioned that you're working to use uh, palm oil as renewable or as feedstock for the microbes to produce bioplastic but i also mm. saw that you are working on rubber is that is your work on rubber also related to solving environmental issues or yeah i think just like plastics uh, rubber natural rubber is also uh, a very uh, useful material it is a biomaterial it is produced by uh, rubber trees kevia uh-huh. brasiliensis and and malaysia used to be one of the largest producers of uh, rubber in the world So just like PHA rubber is also a renewable material which means that you can you can get it from living organisms and the the bio polymers or biomaterials like rubber and PHA they are produced from basically from plants so like 
rubber is produced by rubber tree, whereas yeah. uh, PHA is produced, uh, although bacteria produces uh, PHA, but the feedstock actually comes from plants. It's palm, oil palm. Yeah. Okay, so they're all plant-derived. So plant-derived processes are, are important for sustainability because the carbon uh, that we get, uh, basically all these materials are carbon-based, like PHA and rubber. Actually, they come from uh, the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So plants are fixing this carbon dioxide and then we are using them. And this material, when they degrade, they are released back into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide. So it's a, it's a zero carbon emission process. Mm -hmm. okay, unlike using petroleum. Because when you use petroleum-based material, you are actually releasing carbon that has been fixed uh, over millions of years back into the atmosphere. Right. So this is something that we are trying to avoid. We are trying to avoid the release of large amounts of carbon back into the atmosphere, uh, which is already causing global climate change and you know all the various problems. So by using plant-based materials like rubber and PHA, we can minimize the release of uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Right. So I hope you, you can see the the zero carbon emission yeah. process here. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, just to wrap up, we usually like to ask an impact question okay. to all our guests. So Prof. Sudesh, what is the one? I know this is probably very difficult for an expert like you to say one, but you know, for us youngsters, like to say many would be like, are oh, you too many, you know? So like just, if you just have to say one mm. environmental friendly or so-called environmental friendly practice that we think is environmental <laughs> friendly, what is it that, what is the one that actually makes you cringe? Yeah, I've been thinking about this uh, for some time. Uh, yeah, there are many funny questions that uh, sometimes students ask or sometimes in, in conferences after I give my presentations. Um, so I get some, some interesting questions and all. And, and one question that was, I think, uh, was yeah, uh, partly embarrassing and also interesting okay. uh, was uh, when I think someone asked, is it possible to make uh, biodegradable condoms? Oh! <laughs> So, okay. uh, yeah, but but that that made me think, you see, because uh, yeah, I think it would be. Uh, and by the way, condoms are made from rubber. Rubber is also <laughs> yeah, actually, it is uh, biodegradable. But then, when it is made into uh, products like, for example, gloves or tires or you know condoms and all this, uh, there is a lot of uh, chemical processes that are done to make the the material more durable uh, for example yeah. like cross-linking and all that so that eventually makes them uh, non-biodegradable for example like our car tires our car tires contain uh, natural rubber by right it yeah. should be biodegradable but then of course you don't see tires uh, biodegrading yeah. <laughs> yes of course yeah so, uh, yeah, I think I thought that was an interesting question. Uh, but while thinking about uh, that, I think the 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 thing that came to my mind is all these problems that we are facing is simply 
because of our our what do you call um, a population growth so which is right. also you know that we have to seriously think about you know if we, if we can't control our the growth of population if there are there are too many people uh, on earth i think no matter what solutions that you can think of it won't be possible to to avoid uh, this kind of environmental issues so so this is something that it's not easy to yeah. to address uh, how do you how do you try to control populations and how do you ensure that there is a, a balance between uh, the number of people and the amount of resources that are there to sustain the number of people so maybe it is in a way it is related to the biodegradable condoms but i think uh, this is something that not easy to to answer i think it's very interesting that somebody actually had like had some i, I don't know like somebody actually decided to okay i'll just ask prof sidesh about yeah. <laughs> biodegradable <laughs> okay i mean that that's i mean it takes a lot of guts i think yeah but i think the, the reason that question was asked because of uh, some you know practical thing because normally uh, not normally i think you know sometimes condoms are just flushed in the toilet and if it is biodegradable then you avoid uh, a lot of uh, problems right. and and i've heard like in some places uh, in wastewater treatment and all uh, the uh, people discard used condoms in toilets and all and it causes a lot of problems during the the wastewater treatment right so if you have a biodegradable condom i think it, it would be interesting <laughs> as long as it doesn't degrade too soon <laughs> okay well yeah i think like i think like yeah. as you said you know prof uh, having like the idea of controlling populations a bit tough and i mean i yeah. know especially like at mm. 25 now like you know my mom is like constantly you know you know when you get older mm. you know i'd like to see grandkids and i'm just like yeah i think yeah. there's that whole like you know i think at every parent like with a 20 year old kid or older like looking forward yeah, to seeing yeah. grandkids yeah. so but, like in terms of our yeah. everyday life what would you say would be you know things that you feel that we are doing in in goodwill you know to like be environmental friendly but it's actually not really helping if you were to say like the one mm. or two things that you kind of notice I think there are many things that we are doing is which is not really helping at all. <laughs> okay, like, you know. Yeah. You see, uh, I know people have very good intentions. Yeah. See, for example, when they see this turtle, you know, with a straw that is stuck in its nose and all, you know, I think people get emotional, and it is out of kindness, you know, that you want to do something about this kind of thing. Yeah, I understand that very well, but. just by stopping to use uh, stopping the use of plastics you're not going to solve this problem you know because uh, straw is is just one small uh, plastic item you know there are so many <laughs> other plastics that are being used and for example now uh, with this pandemic that is going on you can see the amount of uh, face mask that is being used and all these face masks are plastics are all single use plastics you know and imagine every day we are using billions of face masks and if you just try to quantify this uh, amount you see uh, because each each face mask you can just 
take a weighing balance and you try to weigh and you see you know each each face mask how much does it weigh and then you try to multiply with the number of uh, face masks that are being used every day because these are all single use items and because there is a risk of infections and all you don't reuse uh, this kind of thing so you are already using way much more plastics and discarding this you know compared to the straws that you are trying to minimize or trying not to use it so basically what i'm trying to say is that it's not so simple you know which you probably can say people will justify by saying yeah we have to start somewhere yeah you can start you can start but i always like to think uh, much deeper for example yeah you you start by being more green you know you're not using plastic straws or you don't uh, for example uh, use uh, plastic bags you carry your own uh, bags to the supermarket and all yeah you I mean you are you are doing something within your control but at the same time you are a, you know a carrier woman for example and you're traveling uh, of course maybe now you can't travel but then uh, say if in normal times you will be traveling to say london for a meeting and then you'll be flying to beijing for you know uh, to meet your business partners and all so you're already causing a lot of environmental problems just by traveling so that that is one way of of looking at at how significant is your effort to to minimize uh, you you may be minimizing something that is not so significant because you are on the other hand you are actually causing more environmental problems already is it and and that is just one example you may you may you know like what you said just now your your parents or your mother might be expecting to see many grand yeah grandchildren and all you know and you will have 3 4 5 oh kids, no thank you, you. <laughs> yeah and then there again you are consuming a lot of uh, resources uh, your children is going to grow up and you're going to ensure they have good education they get a good job so once people are well to do they consume more meat uh, you know so then how significant is the things that you are doing you know when you are cutting down the usage of straws and uh, you know bringing your own plastic bag so i think it is not a simple straightforward solution but i think we have to really think of it in a in a more holistic way and for me i feel like i said just now you know the the population human population uh, is is one of the main problem okay if if we have lesser uh, population then no matter what you do it will still be uh, sustainable and you won't cause massive uh, environmental destruction and once the population grows uh, to you know when it becomes too big then no matter what you do uh, and you try to be how no matter how green you try to be you are already uh, causing a strain to the environment right okay so i think yes. uh, just to quickly sum up everything that you've mentioned i think the three most important things whether uh, to our listeners whether you decide to venture into bioplastic research or not is that first of all plastic is actually very important it's not all bad yes Right. there are many yes. things that we have benefited from it and largely the reason yeah. why it's being bad is because we are consuming too much of it 
yeah, we are discarding it indiscriminately. Right. So that is the problem. Yeah. And I think the second most important thing to do is is yes, do your best to be as environmental friendly as possible, but mm-hmm. understand that the little that we are doing is not enough. And right. Yes. <laughs> that's that's great. So Yeah. That's a wrap. Thank you so much again Prof Sudesh for spending time with us. And to our listeners, if you are interested in bioplastic research or any other environmental research regarding palm oil or rubber, you can find out more about Prof Sudesh and his ongoing research at www.ecobiomaterial.com. We will be sharing the link in our social media platforms, so do please follow us there. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Lab. I'm Jeshri Lau. See you next time. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Lab. If you'd like to be part of our growing community of science enthusiasts, kindly hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at underscore Beyond the Lab and like our Beyond the Lab Facebook page. I'm Jeshri Lau. Till next time.